It came yeah. up as morphium. Morph- morphine. Morphine. This is Geekology, a show where we geek out about all things awesome. Episode 3, Magnanimals. show where we geek out about all things awesome and we have our geekologists for this week well actually i'm holly anderson and i'm darcy bernard and we are joined by our geekologists for this week francesca for our second and final well third and final really sherlock um tear down i guess <laughs> tear down <laughs> yeah, thanks for or, thanks or, for coming back on the show that's not the word i was looking for but i couldn't find the word I was <laughs> tear, <looking down>. <laughs> tear down <laughs> isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, postmortem, I guess, to... on Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> um, episode three called his. What was his, it called? His last, his last vow. vow. His last vow. Yes. Yeah. Which was that? I guess that was referring back to the previous episode when he talked about in his speech that his last vow was or his final yeah. vow or something. It's actually also a play on one of the uh, one of the original stories called his last bow. Yeah. Yeah, they usually are a play on on. <laughs> they usually are, um, except for except for series one where they had episode two was the blind banker. They're nothing absolutely to do with any story whatsoever. I think that was probably one of the only really super original shows that we that we've had um, in any of the series. So yeah, I think that was the only one where the title didn't really play back to a specific canonical reference wasn't there a blind something though or wasn't in- you know there may have been but for all i've racked my brains over the past couple of years trying to figure it out i've never been able to make the connection and neither has anyone else that i've talked to Hmm. But yeah. if we're all wrong, then <laughs> apologies to Moffat and Gates for that. Yeah. Uh, we've <laughs> apparently missed the boat on something. Yeah. This episode was insane. <laughs> I'm just going to come out because I, I don't know if my I've been I've been programming a lot this week. I don't know if my brain was like, yeah, whatever. You're not going to follow no. this. But it, I was like, what? It was like back and forth, and I'm like, wait, where? What's going? Like, wait, what? <laughs> And then, and then, I, I, I was, like, very confused. I mean, I wasn't very confused, but I was, like, I, I had no idea what was coming, and I was just, like, I guess I was just along for the ride this time, because I was, like, I don't know yeah. where this is going. Yeah. And the first, like, what, five minutes there was no Sherlock? I'm, like, um, this is called Sherlock, right? I'm watching the right show. It, yeah, you were not, you were not alone there. I think that this, this particular episode was... It was very challenging to follow. There was quite a lot going on. Um, the interesting thing was that it, again, I think, proved something that I was noticing in the previous two episodes, that this series seemed to be less about focusing on adaptations of particular stories and more about developing the character relationships and also just using various canonical reference points to... Which I actually like better. I like that they're going off in a different direction. I think it's interesting, and I think that there are two things going on there in the sense that um, it's, again, it is kind of a nod to, to the fans with those canonical reference points. And also, I think that it shows... In terms of the development of the series, I think it shows Moffat and Gatesy's confidence both in the popularity of the series' reception and also their level of comfort and their familiarity with the canon and the extent to which that familiarity gives Mm -hmm. them a sense of how much creative license they can take. Because now they're kind of going off and using canonical reference points, but creating more original stories based on those canonical reference points. Whereas series one and series two, we could very specifically link the episodes back to the origin story. So, you know, you had A Study in Pink, which was a clear adaptation of A Study in Scarlet. You yeah. have The Hounds of Baskerville. You had, uh, you know, 
the Reich, uh, you know, the Reichenbach fall, which is clear adaptation of the final problem, a right. scandal of Bulgravia. So they're, they're very much the, the episodes from series one and series two were very much grounded in a particular storyline. Whereas in series three, what we're actually just seeing is a, a sort of jigsaw puzzle of canonical reference points that I think it, allows Moffat and Gates to have more creative wiggle room, but I think in a sense it's also frustrating because I felt like sometimes it wasn't always clear in these episodes where the case was where the case itself was going. So I don't know you know, I don't know that it's all about the case either. The original. Yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if they're going to return to their original model in series four, depending on the popular reception of the formula that they used this time around. It was fun, um, but I don't know if I came away feeling as much of a sense of I was watching a particular I was watching a particular adaptation of a mystery. I didn't have that same sense of you know, it wasn't it wasn't as rewarding in the end because I didn't feel like I was trying to solve a case along with Sherlock. I just felt yeah. as if I was, as you said, Holly, kind of along for the ride. It, it's interesting it's, too it, um, because the, the some of the, the this episode, well, so a lot of the what we've seen this season, where the the case almost um, you know takes a, a backseat to what else is happening. It sort of reminds me too, in some in some sense, to what. Stephen Moffat does on Doctor Who sometimes, where he he'll have an episode, and it will be mainly focused on the characters, but there is something going on, but it's almost in it's the background. A backdrop of like, like, but the characters are more important. Thinking than about the... that one episode, I don't remember the name of it, but do you remember that one with the cubes? There was the cubes. She's and... not seen that far, probably. Oh, but okay, well then. It's the, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and it's it's more about the Doctor, but it's and... about his relationship with yeah. Yeah, and it, and so sometimes he does that. I think the problem is. Um, I think it depends on what you want from the series. Like for me, I don't really care so much about the cases. Like I'm not, I'm not in it for that. I'm in it because I like the characters of Sherlock and Watson. So for me, this season has been really good because I've really enjoyed watching the character development, and I don't really care so much about the case of the week kind of thing. Like that, that's kind of a backseat for me personally. I think, so I think the problem is we we only have three episodes. Yeah. So if if we had more episodes, we could do different styles. But yeah. Um. You're right, and it's because we only have three episodes and because there was so much character development that I think needed to occur in this series, the cases did, did in a way, take a backseat. You had... Sherlock had quite a lot that he needed to work through with John. Um, Sherlock and John's relationship needed to be reestablished. And we only had, we only really had those three episodes to do it. So I think that in a way did have to forefront certain plot elements in order to, in order for them to reestablish that connection. Right, right. Okay, so I guess we should probably start to go through this one and see what we... uh... We'd like so about we had it. almost a counterpoint in this episode to Sherlock. I thought like he was he had some of the same traits that Sherlock had, but he was so creepy. Oh, the yeah, uh, what's it? What's his name? Ma- um, I just watched the episode. Yeah. Why don't I have his name? Um, Magnus or Magnet Magnus? Magnus or Ma- yeah, it's a challenging <laughs> name to pronounce. <laughs> Mag- but we were right then. Uh, we were right about. The mysterious Cam, and uh, that the way that, that linked back to what we saw in the sign of three. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we, yeah, we, so we see him, and we you see all about like he was almost, and he was clearly blackmailing that woman that we saw at the beginning, and she went to to the wanted to go to Baker Street, and that's so that's how Holmes gets involved. Yeah. Right. So we don't see that part. We see him, and he's in a drug thing. Or no, we see that because see, we didn't see him until then. We see Watson, and he, and the woman comes to their door, and she's all upset. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then they get a son, and then Sherlock's in the drug thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So it takes a while for us to to figure out precisely what they're doing, and I think again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, and this is again. 
I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who has read the stories. And I find it funny that from someone from the perspective of someone who's read the stories, I almost find it more confusing in the beginning that we don't have a particular plot point to work off of. So, you know, when we first are introduced in the series in the very beginning um, with series one, when you have a study in pink, if you've read a study in scarlet, and even if you hadn't, that particular episode was very well scripted in terms of the plot and the mystery and the case itself. But if you read a study in scarlet, you can understand exactly where this is going. Okay, you have people who are mysteriously murdered, trying to figure out where you've got the situation with the cab driver. So you kind of know where this is going and what type of case you're going to be looking at. But here, because we don't have a specific plot point to to anchor us in the, in the situation, I almost found it more confusing than... Yeah. You know, because I didn't know. I'm like, okay, what case are they trying to adapt? And, and I think that's. I think I think kind of... I was not seeing the forest for the trees because <laughs> I I realized you know five minutes in that okay they're doing something really original here, but but what the heck are they doing? Well, I know. And the thing... as the Sherlock Holmes enthusiast, I almost I I was. I felt really I felt guilty for it as soon as I realized it that I was falling back on kind of being a purist and you know because I wanted to see an adaptation of a specific case and I, I wasn't I wasn't allowing myself to see the the creative turn that uh, you know that they were yeah. taking and I, I in general I think probably one of my problems with this episode was that um, in terms of a writer I I prefer I tend to prefer Mark Gatiss over Stephen Moffat. I I have a lot See, of issues. I'm the, with I'm the opposite. I don't, and I'm not a big Mark Gatiss fan. I just like his Doctor Who episodes leave me cold more often than not, and I don't know. I'm just not. I don't tend to be as much of a fan of him as, as Stephen Moffat. So yeah, I I tend. I don't know. I tend to like his episodes better, and I don't think that. Um, I I think that. I, I like some of the things that Stephen Moffat does, but in general, I I find it very frustrating. I don't like the way that uh, I don't like the way that he treats female characters. Although um, in this episode, he he was kind of working with 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 Conan Doyle. What you have in um, you know in one of the original stories that this was adapted from, uh, Sherlock Holmes actually does court and proposed to to a maid falsely of course um which is similar to what happens in janine in this episode so sherlock being a jerk is actually moffat is just working with what conan doyle gave us i wondered uh, if that was because i i've read i've read a lot of the stories but i haven't read them all and i wondered if that right. was something from from uh from a story that i hadn't read yet because i do know that there were some things from other bit like there was that the thing where um Watson went to the the, the drug house to, and, yes, and Holmes was there. Not, that was from another story. I reckon yes, I remember that's that. From the man with the twisted lip. Right, right, right. Um, and I, you know, so what we're seeing here in terms of Sherlock being the creepy jerk, um, that, and you know, taking advantage of women. I really, really couldn't fault Moffat for that because he was working with what Conan Doyle gave us. He was working with Conan Doyle Sherlock rather than his own, you know, high functioning sociopath Sherlock. Um, but I think that it. But see, uh, I it, wonder it, though if it was all just an act. Maybe this is just my wishful thinking because we saw at the end of last episode he you know was walking away from the party and feeling kind of lonely and stuff and then we see him in this at the beginning of this episode you know with someone and i wonder if it was all just like i have to use this person to get what i want i don't know like i said maybe that's my wishful thinking but right now i would say that the only person who sherlock is ready to really be emotionally invested in is john um, that's not to say that he I don't that he doesn't have the potential to develop other relationships. But I think right now we're still seeing a Sherlock who doesn't realize that he he doesn't realize that he's using people. And I think that he can't 
he, I don't think that he can cultivate relationships with other people until he begins to recognize how his actions, uh, you know, how his actions affect people, the consequences that his actions have on other people. So, you know, he was he's completely aware that he is manipulating Janine and that he's using her, but he it never ever occurs to him that what he's doing is wrong. He's aware that he's using her as an access point, but it doesn't occur to him that what he's doing is inappropriate. Um, he just says, he just thinks, okay, well, she's a tool. I need a tool. She's conveniently at hand. It doesn't occur to him that he's potentially hurting her. And she, she tells him that, you know, she says, I wish you hadn't lied to me because we could have been friends. Um, and yet, for for Sherlock Holmes in general and for for Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes he does recognize that with respect to to Watson I mean you have the situation in The Hound of the Baskervilles where he sends Watson to effectively babysit you know Henry Baskerville and you have Watson sending his reports thinking that 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 Holmes is in Baker Street when Holmes is actually out on the moors mm-hmm. and the reason that he doesn't tell Watson is because he doesn't want Watson traipsing out in the moors to come and talk to him he's trying to keep Watson safe but he recognizes that Watson is annoyed you know that it's an infringement on our friendship it's it's it you know, you were not recognizing the the level of trust that you could have put in me. You were betraying my trust. And, and Holmes understands why Watson is angry. And he he does feel guilty, I think, for, for manipulating Watson in that way, even if for his own good. But I don't think that he is particularly, particularly Moffat and Gaethje Sherlock. I don't think he's there yet. Uh, I don't think he's there yet with any in terms of being able to transfer that level of emotional investment to anyone other than John. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know. I get I mean, I guess we'll see, but I I I think there was something there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I choose and to believe. And it's possible. And it and it's entirely possible that um I I think that there is um I think there's definite potential for some shipping there. I'd be curious to see what what fans might might do with with Sherlock and Janine. Because there's there's some potential for shipping there, and I, yeah. I I think I could I could buy it. I don't. It's not so. It's not a pairing that I would particularly want to explore. But I I can buy it, and I can see I can see others wanting to wanting to work with that and explore the potential of that relationship. I actually could see. I could see him more with Molly than with her because with Molly he seems closer to her as far as like just he always like gets her to do things and but she I think maybe she's out of the picture now because she's probably done um like Janine is probably just like yeah I'm done so we probably yeah. won't see much with that as far as in the show I don't think no we won't but that doesn't mean that I get that again there that that there's fan fiction <laughs> yeah um that that's one of the glorious things about shipping is that it's you know, it's not confined by the, you know, it's not confined by what occurs in, you know, what occurs in the episode. They can kill yeah. off characters and we can still resurrect them in all kinds of fun ways. That's that's one of the, that's one of the great things about fan fiction. Yep. So there was a big plot line this week. Um, we're not going in any kind of order, but there was a big reveal, big plot with Mary and uh, I have to say, I did not see that coming at all, um, obviously. And uh, she was, we don't really know what she was. Like, she was an intelligence agent of some sort, but we don't know, like, anything other than that. And then they say she was an assassin, or she, or at least had she done. Was. She was, yeah, she yeah. was an assassin. Um, and, uh, and she shot Sherlock, which, wow. Yeah. Um, but she didn't shoot to kill. She she no. She didn't shoot to kill. Which I don't know. Okay, maybe that's her one redeeming quality. But <laughs> um, and she she because uh, then then the whole thing, the whole thing uh, was sort of a. I I love the uh, the way they're doing it. The like the whole mind palace thing, and and how they 
how he okay you're you've been shot you have a couple like you need to decide whether you're going to fall backwards or forwards and if you you're better off to fall backwards because the the, you know, the blood and everything like that it was it was that yeah, was that, that was, was really, really cool. interesting um and and you can buy that sherlock sherlock's mom would work that way um mine wouldn't if, if somebody no. shot me yeah. i would just be like oh, no, no. But, <laughs> um sherlock's mind is is very mechanical in that way and the you know the shot is you know it, it the synapses detonate when you know when that happens it, it's almost you know, to, to sort of compare his his brain to you know to a computer, it's it's that it's that one command that sets everything in motion. Yeah, and then okay, so then he got and then so I'm trying to think where we can even go from there. Um, and uh, he comes back, and then he then he um, and a bunch of stuff happens, and then <laughs> and then they go they go to the cottage for Christmas, and then some more stuff happens, and they go back to the. Yeah, that was sort of confusing because it was like I was confused. Was like really confused. it was Christmas, and, and then they were at Baker Christmas, Street, and then, and then it's like, oh, it's Christmas again. Okay, we we jumped back there. I was a little bit. Yeah, I thought, there. I think that probably what made these there. I think the trend that made these three episodes in general somewhat more confusing is that we. Um, there, there was a lot of employing of the the flashback elements. We saw a lot of that. Um, we we had to see it in uh, we we had to see it in the empty hearse because there was there was the hiatus that that needed to be that needed to be filled in. Um, but there was also a lot of jumping around in, in the sign of three and in in his last vow. We're seeing a lot of flashbacks, a lot of interweaving of of different things being juggled. And I think that that probably that probably lent to to the air of confusion that that a lot of people have been experiencing. Yeah, I mean, I was able to follow it well enough, but it it did take me like, oh wait, okay, now we're back here, now we're back, okay, now we're back in Christmas. Yeah, it, it was it was jarring. I think it it you understood what they were doing, but it felt very much as though, for me at least, that I was being dropped into these scenes and I had to I needed a few minutes to reorient myself and figure out exactly where I was and why I was there and again I, I think for me how that relates to the fact that they're you know we're trying to get used to the the creative turn that, that the series is taking in terms of the writing um, trying to feel our way with some of the new directions that the Moffat and Gatesies are taking in terms of the originality of of the plot lines that they're working with. I'm very confused, though, because I, and I don't know if we were meant to, but I did not like Magnanimous or whatever his name was. I, can't remember his name. <laughs> I don't his think name it's Magnanimous. No, Magnanimous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did not like him at all, and I was really confused. They seemed to be trying to protect him in the episode like Mycroft was protecting him and then you know Mary was kind of the villain because she was trying to shoot him and then and then at the end like it looked like Sherlock Holmes was gonna like be I don't know if executed but it seemed like it was heading in that direction because he shot him but he wasn't a good guy so I don't really understand why all this stuff was I, happening I think he wasn't a good guy but he was a powerful guy he oh. was very he was very powerful and he was also he also you know he had some influence a lot of influence over he was he was manipulating Mycroft as well so imagine yeah, you know imagine someone as powerful as Mycroft being being under another guy's thumb is that's just um, scary it's a, little hard to, it's a little hard to wrap your brain around but when he died I don't understand then he didn't have that hold over people anymore so I don't understand why people were still having this allegiance to him because it seemed like his holds were all blackmail right so Presumably, when he died, you'd think people would be like, "Oh, I'm free," and like, who cares if he's dead? I mean, well, I guess you never say that about anybody. I but... think the, the problem is that that we know we know that everything that he had was in his head, in his particular mind palace, but nobody else knows right. that. Nobody else knows that. I suppose. So, like, as far as and and I mean, I think uh, the only person who could who can tell him is Sherlock, and he's the one who, who shot him. So, like, are they really likely to? Um, did anybody else get a Google Glass vibe from this episode? <laughs> 
I kept oh, expecting he... him to go, okay, glass. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the, the glass is on his... <laughs> but then... <laughs> I was amusing myself going, okay, they're all, it's all Google Glass. <laughs> yeah. It's all stored it's... in Google Glass. Yeah, not likely, but yeah. I knew it wasn't going to be Google Glass, but I thought it might be something like that. Like his, <laughs> his, his spectacles were like special spy spectacles. Well, so um, yeah. <laughs> The way they were describing it, I kind of assumed, actually, the whole time that he was doing, like, a Mind Palace thing like Sherlock Holmes was. Like, I did, too, but then they yeah. kept doing the thing with the glasses, so then I was like, well, maybe. Yeah. And, yeah. I didn't really, I don't know if I really thought that, but it was amusing to me to think that, so. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, what, what else? Yeah, so that was, yeah, so I guess, um, I'm trying to think what, like, why... Well, then was like was it really was Minecraft really sending sure because he said earlier in the episode that he if he went to this um, was it Eastern Europe thing or Western Europe thing that he would be executed like he would be dead within six months and yeah. so he was sending him there to be executed presumably or would he have gotten him out before that happened I think he would have gotten him out I think before he that probably happened. would have gotten him out but I think at the same time I think that was sort of like I think they wanted him in like the rest of like other. Um, you know, my Mycroft's uh, everyone to think that he died. Or yeah, like Mycroft's other the other people who are kind of as high up as he is wanted him either imprisoned or executed or something. So this was Mycroft's way of you know protecting him, sort of. Right, and and of course Mycroft brings him back in the end yeah. because um and He's and there's <laughs> I I have. I, I'm very torn about this this potential return of Moriarty. Number one, once again, once again, I I don't really know how else to put this delicately. But but once again, Stephen Moffat is kind of on my shit list because I think he's really playing with the fans. I think he's really baiting us here because. I don't see any conceivable way for Moriarty to be alive. We saw him blow his own brains out. <laughs> um, well, we saw Sherlock but, supposedly die too, so... Right, but that... But see, he's, I mean, that's true, but... Sherlock, we knew... Um, I, again, even people who hadn't re- read the original stories were, were familiar with how this worked you know Sherlock is going to survive because in the original canon he does so we we know he's going to survive we just don't know how and it's not incredible it's not incredible that he comes back Moriarty I don't see how it's I don't see how he can come back well I don't know but if we're not going with the original with and presumably we're not going with the original canon anymore like it seems just as is possible that he could come back as Sherlock to me. Like well, as someone who's not it, read the original, you it's know, not, stuff. It, my issue is not that they're deviating from the canon. That's not my issue at all. My issue is how the heck is it even plausible? I mean, it. I, I don't know. It. it I've, I've been speculating on this ever since the end of Reichenbach. I mean, how the hell can a guy who we see blow his brains out? come back because i i used to wonder even after even after seeing it happen with beckenbach is moriarty going to come back and um, maybe it's not him at all maybe they're just using his image someone's just that, using his well, image that, or something that's so. one of the theories too that mycroft um because mycroft as much as it it's it's even not tripping easily off my tongue to say this is that mycroft does love his brother and and he doesn't want to send him into a fatal mission so there there has i have seen a theory surface in the past couple of days that mycroft really orchestrated that to bring sherlock back to bring him back uh, yeah like it's but on the other hand this is also why i'm very torn about this because on the one hand i feel that it that it's not plausible i i can't with the plausible explanation for for Moriarty's survival, but on the other hand, um, as I've as I've said before, um, I really like the dynamic that Andrew Scott as Moriarty brings to the show. So while I don't see a conceivable way to bring Moriarty back, if they can do it in a way that 
audience can buy if it's not too outlandish. I can accept it if it means bringing Andrew Scott back on board because I love the dynamic that he brings to the show. I love his relationship with Sherlock. I love the way that he really emphasizes the way that Moriarty and Sherlock... They respect each other. They dislike each other, but they respect each other. Yeah. And Moriarty is such... Moriarty really shows us very clearly, and Andrew Scott's Moriarty in particular, shows us very clearly what Sherlock could be like if he went over that, if he ever went over that tipping point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I actually like... I am like, but... As far as villains go, I wouldn't be sad to see him back because I know I did not like Magnanimous or whatever. That's his name now. Um, <laughs> at all. A magnanimous person. <laughs> I think if, if Moriarty does come back and it's not something that Mycroft, or if, if he's actually back, I think they're going to have to they're going to have to explain it in, in a way that's definitive, not like the way, you know, where Holmes was like, yeah. we saw several explanations and it's like, yeah, well, it could be this, could be that. Like, right, they're, they're and, really... and he gives us an explanation, but the thing is that ultimately, um, it, it's not so that the explanation is not important, but the explanation is going to be even more important in Moriarty's case because we did not expect him to survive. Yeah. We knew that Sherlock was going to survive. We and just I think needed they to will. find out how. Yeah. So ultimately, while we were frustrated as an audience to not have a definitive, you know, to, to not have an absolute explanation, it mattered less than the fact that he was actually back because it, we knew that he was going to come back. But in order to accept Moriarty's return, we would really need something definitive. Yeah, and I think they know that because they know that people were expecting Sherlock to come back because of, you know, everything that, you know, in the original series he does. And obviously they're not going to kill off the main character of the show. There wouldn't be a show. So people were expecting Sherlock to come back. People were not expecting Moriarty to come back. So if he does come back, I really do think they'll explain it well. Because, I mean, we've seen so many times in science fiction and fantasy that, and this, I guess, would be considered science fiction or fantasy or or maybe not either but i don't know what you i don't know what you'd classify it but i mean we've seen so many times in other shows where people have supposedly died and they're not really dead so it's not like it's never been done and i don't know i think it could be i think it it could be done well and i i kind of trust that they'll do it well um until until we find out otherwise i'm going to trust that they'll do it well so yeah the the thing about the thing about Moriarty coming back and i think that's the key is that it has to be done well it needs to be Otherwise, it's not going to work. On the other hand, as like I said, I I find it really frustrating because I think on the one hand, it's okay to leave us with a cliffhanger. That's, you know, series one, excellent cliffhanger. John and Sherlock at gunpoint. I mean, yeah, excellent cliffhanger. Series two, okay, we... The cliffhanger was... Well, how is Sherlock going? How is Sherlock going to survive? How is John going to cope with this? Um really, really kind of on tender hooks there. This cliffhanger, to me, with throwing us that, that bait with Moriarty, um, I felt, like in a lot of ways, that that was just fan-baiting. Um, and Moffat, Moffat's been doing a lot of that, um, both in in his reading and in a lot of the comments that he's made in all press series. Like, um, he made a comment to the effect that there won't ever be a Sherlock film dot 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 unless we see a real narrative reason for it. So in other words he's saying no we're never going to bring Sherlock to the silver screen but you know I don't I don't I as a fan I don't appreciate having my chain yanked like that. Um, it's one thing to leave me with a cliffhanger it's another thing to yank my chain just because you can <laughs> yeah I don't know, that stuff doesn't bother me, because I think, I mean, he's a fan himself of stuff, and he, like, he knows what it's like to be a fan, so I don't think he's doing it to be malicious, I think it's just... I, I think that's just how he that's is. That's just how he um, is, yeah. I think it's just how he is, but I think, maybe, and this is, maybe this is something that's kind of, you know, Sherlockian about him, that he doesn't realize why some fans find that inappropriate. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's just because he, he's, I mean, he's done that with, he's done that with Doctor Who as well. Like, yeah. Oh, sure, and, I, and actually, like, and I'm... I'm not the only one, you know, who feels this way. I've talked to a lot of people who are fans of Sherlock and also fans of Doctor Who. There seems to be a general um, 
not a general that that's that's too too broad a word but there does seem to be a very broad frustration um uh with with moffat in general and i find it i find it mostly amongst people who are also fans of doctor who because seeing similarities in his writing of doctor who and his writing with sherlock um you know similar trends come out and i think that uh that is what what people find so so intensely frustrating is that he is repeating he's repeating a lot of the same things in in, in both series yeah it's hard for me because i actually am a really big fan of stephen moffat and have been since coupling so i think he's i think he's really talented in a lot of ways i think i think he is a great writer i love what he does with sherlock but um i don't like his his handling of of certain characters so and i find that that really frustrating I, I don't think i'm ever not you know not to to continually go back to this but i don't think i'm ever gonna forgive him for for what he did at the end of scandal in Belgravia. you know that that damsel in distress ending was completely unnecessary i don't remember like i don't remember it well enough to really be because <laughs> i've only seen it once so for me i don't i don't really yeah, have well, a good memory you have of this situation where you know irene is about to be executed and the person who her is her executioner turns out to be Sherlock, and she's, and then he's like, "When I tell you to run, run!" You know, he he essentially saves her, and it's it's just, it's really complicated because she was such a wonderful, rich character up until that point. Um, but yeah, just him going back to what we were saying with the the fan baiting. I know he he's off and, and and see this doesn't bother me at all because I just I just think it's just how he. But he's you know with going back to Doctor Who, he's often said you know well maybe he'll maybe maybe the Doctor will be a woman sometime or you know just just certain things that he that I think he knows he's going to get people riled up and it it um I don't know if that comes from that um I don't know what that is but it's just it I, I don't mind it but I know it it really gets on some people's nerves. I mean it does only to the extent that there's there's a point at you know there it's one thing to say this may or may not happen and keep us guessing keep us thinking keep us theorizing but I think for a lot of people who are very familiar with Moffat and very familiar with his work and with his writing there's a point at which you can tell that he's just baiting you and I think that's when people start to get annoyed, when people start to say, okay, enough is enough. Either, you know, toss out something that could legitimately happen um, that, you know, you may or may not put the kibosh on it, but don't don't intentionally bait us just to see us squirm. I think that is, is what I don't think he wants to give resent. away things that are going to happen because, no, like, he probably doesn't want to, you know, give away actual theories. But, I mean, or actual things that he's thinking because then people will guess what's going to happen. Like I no, think he wants he would, to keep people. But I also think that um I do also think that I, I have to give him credit for um I, I do have no answer January 8th. I I think that I do have to give him credit for the fact that there has have been quite a few quite a few tributes to uh, there have been quite a few tributes to the fans throughout throughout this series, which I think has been been kind of a reward to us for for waiting so long. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. 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 Do we know? Has anyone heard when? I think we may have touched on this a little bit last time. When the next series is is happening? No, but I don't see any reason why we should have to have such a long hiatus. <laughs> is there for sure going to be another one? I'm assuming there that we know for oh, sure. Oh no, there is. Seasons four and five have well, season four definitely, and then it's season five is assumed. But okay. um, yeah, it and that um, so, and and I think actually what was really funny about that was that um, Benedict Cumberbatch, bless his heart, I think when he was one of the first ones to say, "Oh yeah, um, Martin and I are are totally on board with it," and and. You know, Benedict being Benedict and, you know, having his loose tongue and, and I, I love him, but sometimes he just, you know, he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to deal with the press sometimes. And he said that before he was technically authorized to say it. So, you know, but you got to love him for that because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, as, in as much as I think that he comes off, he does come off as arrogant sometimes. I I think that 
he does genuinely appreciate his fans. He he does. And I think that he he wants us to be in the loop. And I think that, you know, he's so many times he's he's guilty of starting to talk about something and then having to backpedal because he realizes, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about this. And yet, um, as, as someone who genuinely appreciates his fans, I think that he, he wants us to be in the know and he wants to have as much information as possible. And so I, I think that that's, that's probably one of his more, more endearing qualities, even though he, he says things sometimes that... Um, I like him. I, I like him. him a lot. I think that, <laughs> I think that he, he does, you know, make comments that are really, you know, that really do place him in, in this kind of, you know, upper class privileged bubble. And, and he's, he's made comments the, to the effect that he's, he's aware, he's aware of his privilege. Um, but on the same, uh, you know, along the same lines, I think that he, you know, he, he loves his work and he loves his fans and, and whatever his faults, I think that um, he's genuinely respectful and genuinely uh, genuinely appreciative of, of how much people are invested in him and in his work. Yeah. I have not, I don't know that I've ever even seen him in interviews. I just know that I really like him in Sherlock and I really liked him in the Star Trek movie. And I'm sure yeah. I've seen him in other stuff, but I can't think of what it is now. His interviews are... Um, are very interesting because he you know he tends to just talk chat and he rambles quite a bit sometimes and i've actually um i've actually heard a journalist refer to interviewing benedict cumberbatch like watching a waterfall because it doesn't really go anywhere but it's really beautiful to see <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was such that was such a fun analogy because that is you know that that is that is benedict cumberbatch i think in a lot of ways and i think that that's one of his really really endearing qualities is that he's he's you know he's charming in that respect i got the feeling um when we in the first part of this episode i got the feeling when martin freeman was fil filming this he had a cold because you could really hear it in his voice or at least i could hear he sounded different yeah I've 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 seen that too um, in in episodes. It's really interesting. I, I noticed that in um, back in series two with um, the hound uh, the hound of the Baskerville that I thought that that Sherlock had uh, Sherlock was or Benedict was fighting something when you know it sounded at the beginning of the episode like he had either was either losing his voice or had lost it and would just was just getting it back. So I always think that's interesting to try to picking up on those kinds of things sometimes is just fun yeah, yeah. I, I really like that kind of stuff too especially it... too because sometimes it's it's fun when you know you, you know obviously that they don't always shoot the scenes in the right order so sometimes it sounds like he, you know they have a cold and sometimes not you know yeah. back and forth <laughs> so it's always kind of interesting i love like behind the scenes stuff like that so yeah yeah all right so is there anything else in this episode oh well the one thing i i was sort of amused at there was a lot of I, I'm a, I I really like Mike Croft. I always find him sort of amusing. And, and yeah. like the the thing is like, oh, is it still Christmas? <laughs> it's been Christmas. Yeah, and, and like, Mark Gatiss is, is such a fun, such a fun Mycroft. Mm -hmm. Is that who plays Mycroft? Yeah, Mark Gatiss plays Mycroft. I, I did not that. know that. <laughs> he does. I forget that I he acts because he was in Doctor Who. I forget that he acts. Yes, and stuff. he's he's a wonderful. He's a wonderful Mycroft. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! I did not realize that at all. Yeah, and, and I know, it, was just, it was a funny and and oh, and we and uh, there was like all... they were smoking, and then the mom comes out and says, "Were you guys smoking?" And they're like, "No." It was and Charles Mycroft. <laughs> like it was like they were kids again yeah, or something. You know? that's so yeah. funny. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there was um, oh, with the Wiggins we met or Bill Wiggins, which who was kind of kind of a neat character. Yes, Wiggins is our our original head of the the baker, the baker street irregulars yeah. um oh is so that I who he is he's I, interesting he really yeah yeah um i i really would like to, i really like to see what what they're going to what they're going to do with him if, if he's going to come back and they're going to do more with him in series four because yeah, i would like um, to see more of him i think that what i like about uh I, and i what i what i like about the idea of the baker street irregulars is that um you know it's a reminder to, it's a reminder to us that it's a reminder to us that however much 
technology is, you know, Sherlock's aid in this and however much technology helps us to fight crimes that we still sort of need to rely on humans, uh, on our own powers of observation. And the idea that, that Sherlock still needs, um, Sherlock still needs to have eyes and ears all over London. Yeah. I thought it was funny too at the beginning with the because um, the the little the young kid yeah. comes out of the the drug house and he's like, "Can I come in?" And like everybody wants everybody like is all high and they're all like stumbling and they're all like, "Yeah, can I come into the car?" Because and then and then Mary says, "Where where is Sean? Where is John? They're fighting." She's like, "What?" Oh yeah, they're fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's really interesting. But I I'd like to find out. Um, I'd like to see more and more of what they're going to more of what they're going to do with you know with Wiggins and more with the Baker Street Irregulars because one of the things that I I found interesting that after series one when we're seeing you know we're seeing texting and, and, and laptops and computers and a very a very technological Sherlock um, I had heard some fans make the observation that oh you know with all this technology. There's no need for the Baker Street Irregulars, but but there is. There is, because in spite of all of that, Sherlock still can't be everywhere at once. And right. so I, I like the fact that there's this nice balance between, you know, this balance between our reliance on technology and our reliance on, on man labor, which is something that uh, was was very apparent even, even in the Victorian times, because... Um, you know, the industrial revolution brought brought to light that that pull between you know between machine between machine and man labor. So I think that's one of the reasons why a twenty first century adaptation of Sherlock Holmes works because we're in a kind of similar technological moment to what we were in the nineteenth century, and and so I you know it I like the way that I like the way that Moffat and Gates play off of that, and I think that. That using the Baker Street Irregulars is is a kind of fun, uh, fun connective tissue to, to try to to play with those ideas. Yeah, that's actually one thing that, that I think I think Sherlock, just as like as a series as a whole, has done really well. Like you know the fact that it 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 works as as a modern day adaptation. You know, like Watson instead of writing writing books, he writes a blog, right, um, yeah. and. Um, you know, just just things like, and then the, well, the fact that it was sort of interesting how, like, in in both times, um, he was in Afghanistan. I was right, that was, um, and, it's and just, that that's an interesting coincidence that they were able to yeah. uh, that they were able to work with. Yeah, I was confused because were we supposed to assume that Sherlock was was in fact on drugs and not on a case, or were we supposed to assume that he was on a case? No, he was on a case. He was He was on a case, but again, that was one of those moments where again, it's not important, but um if you for for anyone who had for anyone who had read the story that that was referenced from, like I I figured out as soon as I saw him in that play, I'm like, "Oh, they're doing the twisted lip thing where he was in the opium den and uh, but he wasn't really on opium but he pretended to be on opium um and so they they were doing that again but all we needed here you know even if you hadn't read the story all you really needed was for sherlock to say yeah i'm on a case i don't think that we yeah. were i don't think we as an audience were expected to think that he was on drugs yeah Molly Although he apparently did Molly fail his... was, though. She was so mad at him for that. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's why it confused me, because she did the urine test, and then she was all mad at him. And I was like, wait, I'm... Because con- I thought... Then I was like, well, maybe he... Because then, um, at the end, whenever... Uh, whenever Magnanimous... <laughs> You're just going with that. Aren't yeah, you? I'm just going with that. <laughs> well, I think that that will just be his nickname. Okay. <laughs> whenever he scanned him for the... Um, for the week, his what was it? His uh, his pressure point. Yeah. Yeah. 
It yeah. came up as morphium. Morph- morphine. 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 I'll forget Sherlock. Morphium. Where, what is morphium? Pro- <laughs> uh, Sherlock probably was, um, you know, canonically, Sherlock had his, had his cocaine and his, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, which was not as much the, the horrible recreational drug that it is now. But... Um, you know, so so there, it, it's not uh, it's not beyond the bounds of possibilities that that this Sherlock was an addict, although he certainly is not. He certainly is not now. Yeah, yeah. I was just confused why that came up as his pressure point. If it's not, or if that guy, if that guy was, or just, he wanted him to think that he was. See, I think it, whether I it, was confused about that. I mean, presumably, if it's all things that he knows, I mean, there could be things that. He thinks yeah. he knows, but he doesn't know. So probably because he. But then later on, he says, "Well, I know that your pressure point is, you know, uh, John, and his pressure point is his wife, and and you know, yeah. and so on." Mrs. Hudson's pressure point is marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I love these little little glimpses into into Mrs. Hudson that we like that her husband's like, "Oh, he was involved in it with a drug. Oh, a cartel. That's what it was. <laughs> a cartel. Yeah, the drug cartel." Yeah, yeah it was love, awesome. Oh, poor Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> she was like, and, and she, well, what was it he said today? Holmes said, or Sherlock said something today about, like, you were a dancer. It's like, have you been YouTubing again? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's just hints True of this words. whole other life to, to Mrs. Hudson that. <laughs> I know, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but. Uh, and I still want to know what morphium is. I'm not really sure yeah, what. Why, why <laughs> I don't know why I said morphium. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was that was um, that was. So I think that was that was part of it. But we do, yeah, we do know that at least because I remember I wasn't it in the first episode in in uh, the city in pink when they were searching Sherlock's rooms and and Watson was like he doesn't use drugs. There you won't find anything. And and Sherlock was like, uh, John, can you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, again, there that there is a past that that is a past that that. John is not aware of, and yeah. that moment is one of those really interesting moments where John, we see John to be the the good-hearted, trusting soul that he is. Because at that point, in a study in Pink, he's only known Sherlock for twenty four hours, yeah. and yet he's so sure that Sherlock could never have been an addict. Um, and that actually does does remind me, you know, speaking of John, uh, looking at 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 this episode. Um, his last vow it what john has to forgive mary for that that's a pretty big deal and in a way i feel in a way it frustrates me because it it on the surface you could almost look at it and think oh gosh you know john you're you're just this 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 gullible vulnerable soul and you trust everyone but you know what i think that Again, one of the things that that Martin Freeman, as as John Watson does, is he shows that that John is not just a poppy dog. He's a he's a good man. He's a forgiving man. But it takes him a he's, while. He's a strong man. And yeah. honestly, I mean, John Watson, especially Martin Freeman's John Watson. John Watson is the kind of man who I would want to be in charge of the world if it was ever invaded by aliens. He just <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's really he is he's a he's a good man and i think that it it's not when we think of of you know that we it it's a misconception that watson's admiration of holmes is i mean yes and in, in a way sometimes he he does appear to you know he does hero worship holmes absolutely um watson does but but it's not the kind of blind admiration that in which Holmes is is perfect. Um, it's not it's not the kind of hero worship in which Watson is just the you know the puppy dog that follows Holmes everywhere. It's the kind of admiration in which we have a man who legitimately believes in the good of humankind and. It's one of the reasons why he's such an important part of Sherlock's life because John is probably one of the only people who can see and cultivate the potential the potential good in Sherlock and it's because he's such a good man and he believes in the in he believes in that potential. 
And it's interesting, too, with, with this Watson, you see him, and he's actually learning stuff from Sherlock. He's learning to pick up things that, you know, he mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have noticed before, but, like, being around Sherlock has, has made him pick that up. But I was going to say about the Mary thing. Um, at first, I was like, really, he's going to... But, like, it sort of makes sense, because I think she really genuinely did love him. And I think if she didn't genuinely love him, I think it would have been harder, but you could just sort of tell. Um, and I think because of his experiences with Sherlock, I think it gave him a little bit more strength to actually forgive her because mm-hmm. not anybody could do that. And, you know, right. it took him a while. It took him, from from what I could gather, it took him, you know, a long time. Right, a while, and he's anyway. not, and he tells her too. He's like, you know, don't think that I'm not pissed off at you because I'm very pissed yeah. off at yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the thing. It's a reminder that, you know, um, and John gets pissed off at Sherlock too. But it's that reminder yeah. that... I can be angry with you, but I can still love you, and I can still believe. I can still believe in you as a human being, um, as as a good human being, despite the fact that you betrayed me and that you that you hurt me. Um, John's resilience, I think, is John's resilience. I think is intended to restore, uh, you know, to to restore our faith in. In human goodness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do we have anything else that we want to add about Sherlock about this episode this, or the se- the series as a whole or the season as a whole? Um, I think. I think we pretty much covered everything that I, I think was so. thinking about. Like, obviously, can't wait for the next one. I mean, hopefully, it's like however it's, long it's going yeah. to be. I think yeah. it, it. I think it was only fair that we had to wait as long as we did because uh, Conan Doyle's fans had to wait quite a, a little bit longer several years longer and and True. they didn't and they didn't know that sherlock was going to survive we at least knew that yeah. Sherlock yeah. Was survive. so in a lot that... of ways in a lot of ways we did have it easier uh we That's did have true. it easier than conan doyle's fans but even so i um i i think another two years would be That's a, lot. a little bit painful for me i'm not sure that i could do you, that do you know you just off the, like out of curiosity how how long was it between um, like approximately, for you know, I I I did know this. Uh, I did have this fact stored away in my own mind palace, but um, it's it it's not coming to me. I, I want Sometimes to say you have to delete things. Least, I want to say, that, yeah, I, I think I I might have accidentally deleted it. But um, you know, my my mind palace isn't isn't quite as big as, as Sherlock's, and you know, uh, my. You know my memory Even he capacity. Has to sometimes delete things, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's well. I mean, at least I don't delete things like the fact that you know the Earth goes around. You know that the Earth goes around the sun. I, yeah, that's essential <laughs> information. But no, um, I, I want to say that it was at least five years. Um, yeah. it was at least five years. Yeah, and I mean, as far as anyone knew, that was it. Because I think as wasn't Conan Doyle done? Like he was at had decided that he wasn't going to do Sherlock Holmes, but then he decided he wasn't going to do Sherlock Holmes anymore. Uh, he, he wrote, he, he wrote other story. He, he wrote other stories. He did other work besides Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes was probably, you know, one of his least, his least favorite literary endeavors. So he killed Sherlock Holmes. And then the, the public outcry was, was so, (laughs) was just so unbelievable that, uh, that that he had to that he had to bring him back. I mean, people were wearing you know wearing armbands and and everything. I mean, it was uh, you know the the entire British nation was was essentially in mourning for this fictional <laughs> character. Yeah. Did you guys clue in at the end that it was Jim that it was Moriarty, or did you have to hear the description say it? Because I didn't clue in. I was like, who is on the TV? I thought it was that magnanimous guy back. I well, but, I assumed it was one of the two, but I didn't think it would be as. I figured it would be Moriarty because, like, you know, it wouldn't have been as significant if it wasn't. I was shocked by that. I don't know. I didn't see. I was actually expecting. I I I figured out that it was Moriarty, but for some reason, I was expecting it to be Irene. Maybe if it was going to be anyone, it 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 only could have been in order for it to be that big of a reveal. I felt like it only could have been Moriarty or Irene, Um, because those are the two. Those are really. Those are the two big guns for Sherlock, or, or you know Moriarty because he's Moriarty, and, and Irene because he's she's you know the the woman the who, woman, who yeah. beat him, the woman. Yeah, yeah he's 
you know, the woman, not just the woman, but the woman who, who actually beat him. I, I mean, don't like I, her very yeah. much. I don't want them to. I, I think first, she's intriguing. I, at first I thought they were going to get together and it was like, I don't like it. I don't like her. <laughs> I don't approve. <laughs> All right. Well, we probably should wrap this up. Yep. So, um, cause we've been talking for quite a while, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show again. I'm. I was happy to do it. It was, it was great to to be able to talk about it. Yeah. And we'll be talking about something else next week because, contrary to popular belief, this is not actually a Sherlock podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Not exclusively. I, I, I mean, don't know what we're doing yet. Do we know what we're doing yet? I uh, no, not no. yet. But uh, we'll figure it out. Keep keep an eye on Twitter, Twitter and yeah. and everything, and we will. And you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at Geekology Show. That's right, isn't it? Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. So with that, um, we'll bring this episode to a close, and we will talk to you all next time.